Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Robert Galasel. He is Managing Director at 24 Slides. We're going to talk to him about the work that they've done, not only as a service company, but working with service companies, tackling this whole issue of decks and slides and presentations and brand guidelines and really making sure that you're presenting not only great content, but well-designed and well-branded content and how they've kind of navigated the market and found opportunity and really grown a pretty impressive business. Also a little bit about their bigger picture. They've done a really interesting job in creating a community, creating an ecosystem, and Robert and the team have some bigger ideas, uh, which I'm excited to talk about. And I think they've uh, have some opinions and approach to entrepreneurialism and where the world is going and where business is going that I think are really interesting and exciting. So with all that, Robert, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to have you on. Before we dig into 24 slides and everything you're doing today, I'm curious on the backstory. How did you get into this? What was your professional background? Give us the story of how 24 slides came about. Tell us more. I'll give you the short, the very short version. <laughs> so it was uh, my partner Tobias actually was doing a different company back in the days, uh, focusing on doing templates. And he had a lot of people starting to request, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to use this template and spend time on it. Can I just send it to you guys and then you can do it? So the idea of basically having a group of designers where you can send really ugly slides in and they can look at them, trying to figure out what you're trying to say and then custom design that presentation to just be really nice. It kind of dawned back then. And then for some years, uh, he just worked on the business. He's a digital marketeer, so he did some SEO work, got it up and running found our core team in Indonesia. And then at some point, there were some businesses that started coming back to him and then saying, you know, we would like to always work with the same group of people. And he said, okay, but then you have to pay on a subscription. And they said, yes. And then the Uh idea of talking more to businesses and selling this as a service where you streamline how businesses work within this area was born. And he didn't know a lot about business to business sales. And then I kind of talked to him for in the beginning advising. I was the CEO of another startup. And then 
because of the purpose and and because of what drove him back then and what still drives the core of the company, I kind of decided to join. And that was seven years ago now. And we were, yeah. me, him, and another person in Denmark, 25 people in Indonesia, and now we are a lot more. 300 yeah. and 200 in Indonesia, team in Ukraine, Peru, big. And now in the US yeah. as well, right? So it's really nice. It's been going really, really well. Yeah. And what I'm, I'm curious, what really motivated you to join? Like, what did you see in the opportunity? What was there kind of in the company or what was nascent for you that thought, you know, you could make a difference and, and be part of something significant? You know, we all have our own journeys, right? So it's at that point in time in my career, I had a rough patch of not being able to find a home where I both had, I both had like a purpose that was kind of more than just having a job while also yeah. having a job where, you know, you could learn stuff and you could do stuff and, and feel like you're creating value, right? Yeah. So it was it was that combination. So um, I was looking for a partner, basically. I was looking for somebody who, who I could help build a business with in all aspects. And then, of course, bring my skill set to the table. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the unique things when I look at founder teams with the experiences I have at least, 99% of the cases when founding teams kind of break up and you have all of this dysfunction and <laughs> all of oh, this yeah. stuff happens, right? Which Welcome to my to, world. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which happens to a ton of them. It's, it really it's does. either because it is ego-driven or money-driven, right? So it's normally because you fight about who needs the biggest name on a plaque somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. or, you know, somebody, it's an ego thing or it's disagreement about money. And the unique thing about Tobias was that he was not really driven by neither ego or money. He was very driven by the purpose of basically what we're trying to do is, is to say, if we look across the planet and, and we look on in different markets, what he found when he started working with our team in Indonesia was that he could find people that were super talented. They were really humble, willing to learn and like on all aspects that should define your opportunities and success in life, they were like kicking our Danish designers yep. ass, right? So, but they did not have the same opportunities and that fundamentally bothered him. So he set out on a mission of saying, okay, it has to be about effort and skills purely. Yeah. If you put in the effort and you have the skills, you need to have the opportunities. And in the world today, that's just not the case. So, you know, and he was driven by building a company, profitable company where we could accumulate capital and we could basically create you know, jobs for our team members that would enable them to live great lives, um, not just in the West, but also in Indonesia, in Peru, in those markets. Um, mm -hmm. So really next level type of jobs. And that just that just spoke to me, to be honest. I, there was a, it, it's very clear in my mind. I asked him at some point because I really pushed him on, you know, why, why, you know, why 24 slide? Why does it matter, right? Yeah. And, um, and he looked down for a minute and then he kind of looked up and he said, I just want to hire a thousand people in Indonesia. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm sold. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Let's go. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> right. That, that was all me. And then we kind of figured it out from there. And then now yeah. we're a much bigger team and, you know, so many awesome people that is just because that purpose is shared by him, by me, and then by, I think, everyone else we've, yeah. we've hired ever since. I'm is, sure. It's kind of aligning towards that. So now it's just Maybe a bigger and bigger group of people all pulling in the same direction of how can we do this? So it's really cool. Yeah. Then why, why Indonesia? I mean, was this, you know, something specific about sort of design skills and culture and services or, it would, you know, was happenstance or strategic or what was the story there? In the beginning, complete coincidence. 
Uh, yeah. So Tobias did a design competition on 99 Designs. There was one person that was way above everyone else. That yeah. person lived in a place called uh, Malang in Indonesia. So he was uh-huh. like, oh, go, oh, gee, I better go to Malang to see if there's more like him. And there was. And it, it turns out I've never been to Indonesia before, but I mean, their culture is amazing. I mean, humble, happy. And then it turned out they had some really good universities that just produced mm-hmm. some super creative people. Like just yeah. our team, they are, <laughs> from a pure creative standpoint, it's just nuts. They are so good. I mean, they're so really? good. So we, we, we find so- super creative people right. and then, you know, we, we teach them how to kind of funnel that into presentations. Yeah. But like they have art projects and all kinds of side hustles where they do all kinds of stuff that's just... Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, well, I've got two questions kind of coming out of this. One is, I mean, do you think it is something part of the culture right? and just kind of an attitude towards life and appreciation for things that makes them Indonesians just more design sensitive or aesthetic sensitive and appreciative and kind of more creative in that way? I, I just don't know, to be honest. And I don't know many yeah. other markets. I, I, have the, I have two kind of views on this. One is, I think in general in the West, we really underestimate how big the outside world is right there's yeah. like so many it's indonesia is 250 million people right yeah exactly in indonesia and it's it there's just so many talents i do think also i met some other people that have business in indonesia uh, and that had been working much more with outsourcing in different markets than i've tried and they said yeah. that there's there's a lot of gaming companies that are kind of starting to set up teams because yeah. there are for some reason i don't know why but i've heard other places that the indonesians are on average just really creative people yeah. and whether or not that's cultural or where that comes from but i heard that but i i also have to say i our team in peru is like crazy yeah. good too and I'm, I'm pretty sure if you if you look for it i mean you have those pockets everywhere right everywhere all countries yeah i'm sure there's going to be a percent of percent of every population that's that is going <laughs> to have kind of the skills and capabilities you also mentioned that you know a lot of your folks do other creative things either you know formerly as side hustles or just other interests and stuff I'm, I'm curious how important you have found that people have other kind of creative outlets or creative initiatives to keep them you know thinking and sharp or i mean do you find people who kind of crank through slides like all day every day kind of lose an edge or what's what's your kind of strategy on keeping people's skills sharp so we do different things internally i think if we look at side hustling and that i i we haven't really talked about it to be honest but i think we just let it you know if somebody wanted to run a web shop where they do some creative things next to work it's like yeah you know, they, we just allow them to do whatever, as long as they don't, you know, have, you know, are doing presentations. Uh, yeah, conflict. <laughs> doing direct, AdWords direct next to ours, then, yeah. then we yeah. might challenge it, right? But other than that, it's like, if you do your job and you do well, it's like, we, we're not going to tell you to, to kind of have that. If we look at from a company standpoint, what we do, I would say actually most of our designers, even though they are, you know, it can sound like a design machine. There is such a variability from industry to industry, from market to market on yep. what styles, colors, when different ways that people like designs. So I actually think that even though we're very focused on just doing presentation work and making sure that, you know, people spend less time on that and can spend more time on, on other stuff. That the variability is it's more complex than people think we have a really big training program on how to do it and work within it i'm curious on the service model uh, 
how what is the actual kind of engagement with a client look like given that you kind of have two you're dealing both with you know i'll guess i'll say like translating creative services to to business people which could sometimes be a challenge but you're also dealing with offshoring and cultural kind of challenges like how do you interface with clients and effectively kind of get you know, information back and forth and, you know, make that fluid and successful and communication work. What's, what have you learned about that? That's one of the things where we, so what differentiates us is, remember, we've been doing this for 10 years. So yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of learnings. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but one of the things we've done is that we've spent a lot of resources involving our team in understanding both how we think as a business in the West, but also building context about how our customers think and why that is important. So what we've managed to do is that our team on average has a deeper understanding than uh, most of our customers expect, basically. And and what that means is their ability to, you know, when we when you submit something our way, we build a piece of software that is sitting on top of our pro- process, right? So basically okay. what we are doing is we have a really strong process and understanding about if you have some ugly slides you want done. We yep. ask you some questions. We get some input from you. Then we get the slides. And then we get some indication about what do you consider great design. So that can be brand guidelines. It can be some examples you point to or some other Got things. It. And those three things together, like who you are, where you're from, what your company is, the mm-hmm. questions and the answers. We get to the questions we ask you, the files you send our way and what you're trying to say along with some indication of what you believe is great design, is enough for our team to kind of synthesize that and then understand who are you, what are you trying to say, mm-hmm. and how do we wrap these slides in a design that makes it easier for people to understand, you know, what it is yeah. you're trying to communicate. Yeah. So it's about having a strong process, about getting the right answers to the right questions, getting the right files in, and then we kind of build a piece of software on top to make sure it's it's smoother, like feedback back and forward. And there's a lot of smart stuff, payment and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And where do you draw your lines of kind of services or what you do and don't do? I mean, I can imagine just kind of taking one individual slide and figure out, okay, let's clean this up and, you know, put some good design around and things like that. And then there's kind of taking this whole presentation and saying, okay, what are you trying to communicate? Let's figure out really the strategy for the presentation and let's move this kind here. Let's tell this story, then this story, then this story. Like how, I guess, how far down the actual presentation strategy do you go versus just on the kind of the slide actual design? So we found that where we can add most value is in the, if we focus most on the design part. So in general, let's say that you are presenting something, you're going to an Mm -hmm. event or whatever, and and you have something you want to present, then you have to think about what is it I'm communicating? What is the story I'm telling, right? Then normally people would sit down and they'd say, I would need these different keywords in a certain... um, order basically so i would take some slides and i would add some keywords in that would prompt me to say different things at different times 
once you have that, most people in their head kind of understand what story they're trying to tell. And then after that, it's a matter of saying, okay, we take this story and then I want to wrap it in a design that makes it beautiful, nice to look at, on brand, and easy to understand. That's the part that we take and focus on. So um, we don't help our customers with the story creation process, let's put it that way. So a good it example, is. I had one day a... Uh, <laughs> I had a PhD in microbiology <laughs> calling me up. Uh, and then he said, hey, I have this dissertation I've done. No, I'm going to uh, I'm going to present it sure. for the professors or I can't board whatever a PhD is presenting to. So I was wondering if I could just send my dissertation and you can kind of just compress it into like 10 slides, take the most important stuff, make it really <laughs> nice, and then, <laughs> and then be off your way. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, uh, how exactly is it you 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 think I'm going to be able to point out the 10 most important stuff? Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I have no chance, right? And he was it was so sweet because he was like, "Oh yeah. Yeah, I see. You know, that, that's a problem." <laughs> and you got it. it. I always I always use this example because it's the same thing that happens with presentations if we start fiddling around with the wording and you yeah. know, the bullets. Yeah. very quickly become. I had some lawyers as well. They're infamous for having too much oh, text geez. and content on their slides. Oh, right? my gosh. It's like yeah. old school and, you know, we need to write everything down. And, and instead of having like a keyword and then talking around it, they need to write everything up there. And I've had many times where like, can you just help us compress this? I'm like, I have no chance. Nobody has a chance. I mean, you either have to be you or you have to be some lawyer that knows almost exactly what you know and it just very quickly becomes a super strategic talk. We know some companies that are really good at doing that, but uh -huh. it's it's more like a, it's like almost a management consultancy service, right? It's like yeah, okay. So what is important? Like, well, what is the what is your place in the marketplace? What is your audience? You know, what what key yeah, attributes exactly. do you have in this product? And it quickly becomes this very super strategic talk about how is it that you want to position this in the marketplace to be successful, right? Yeah. Uh, and we, we, we haven't found a way to online find that, onlineify that, right? So we, we, we stick yeah. to taking whatever story our, our people, our customers wants us, wants to present, and then we understand what they're trying to say, who they're trying to tell it to, and then wrap that in a really nice design. Yeah. And that works really well. It's like someone giving you the Bible and saying, can you can you reduce this to like 10 slides for a presentation? Yeah, and I can, yeah, but it will be my version of what is important, yeah. right? And the chance exactly. that that is exactly the same 10 slides that you produce, it's like it's yeah. zero, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The As people I know be. that do that, they, they do it all the time and then they do it in person, but then they go out and it can be two, three-day workshops where they walk yeah. through, you know, a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious as you've scaled... Where have you had to make kind of big kind of operational decisions or service decisions in terms of, I mean, you mentioned the one of kind of going to the subscription, like I want to be able to work with the same team. Oh, okay, well, now I've got to figure out how to how to put that together and how to kind of, you know, pick the right staff or negotiate with staff and saying, hey, you're going to work with the same company all the time. Is that an issue, right? Like how, how have you kind of had to evolve and transition the operations and kind of the design of the company as things have changed and grown and services have evolved? I mean, we've changed a lot, right? So I can talk a yeah. little bit about that. But I, I, I think the, probably the best decision we've made very early on, we made the decision that we would not, from Copenhagen 
just make decisions over the head of our team in Indonesia. Meaning that if we had an issue, and I, and I think this is probably, if there's one thing I could mention to being the key thing why we've been successful, it's because we've invested time in this. So basically, let's say something happens and it's a problem for the company, whatever situation arises. Mm-hmm. Instead of sitting in Copenhagen saying, we have a problem, we understand it, we have a solution, and then calling up our colleagues in Indonesia and then saying, hey guys, here's the problem, and this is how we're going to solve it, and we need your help. Go go, go ahead and do this. We've never done that. We've always called up our team and then said, hey team, we had this problem. Here are the potential consequences. Here are the potential upsides. We don't know how to solve this. We need your input. We, we need you to go back and figure out how do you want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And then we've given our team time to go back, talk together, ask more questions, and then come back and say, hey, you know, this is what we think we should do. And every single time almost, they have brought input to the table that we missed, and they've enabled us to just make much better decisions. But more importantly, yeah. whenever we then roll out that solution, they feel ownership, right? Our yeah. team feels like, you know, we're a part of this company. We've actually been asked input, and when the input is given, it actually changes the decision. And now, so many times, they would present something, and we would say, that that's awesome. <laughs> you know, that's what we yeah. do. Yeah. That's, that's exactly better. what we do. Imagine yeah. the motivation you have if you're an outsourced team in Indonesia, and you're like, wow, right? Then, yeah. you know, and that's what we've been doing, like, I won't say thousands of times, like, but but many, 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 many times over. Yeah, And I think that's one of the key reasons why our core team in Indonesia is just, they are so aligned with the business. They feel such a sense of ownership and they are so motivated to keep our culture and to keep what we've built and the passion for us to be successful that when we need stuff to happen, when we need stuff done, it's like everyone just moves on it, right? And I think yeah. if, I, when, if I look back, I think the decision to do that and not just roll it over people's head but involving them, pulling them in, I think is, is like by far the most important thing that we've done. It, it enables us to kind of really push. People get shocked when I talk about what level of decision-making we just push way down to the front lines. I mean, to our design teams in Indonesia making decisions on, you know, what do we do? How do we get back to customers? What do we say without anyone being involved outside of Indonesia and just delivering like a really good service? Mm-hmm. I mean, I talk to people who's been working in, in different outsourcing setups many years. They, they, they don't believe it. It's like the, what, what we've gotten out of it and the way that, that we operate and work. And I think that's a, that's a key reason that is, one, is that one, right? So yeah. I would say that that is a key thing for our success. There's no doubt that the difference maker for us is the quality of our people and our ability to retain super talented people. And I think a key reason for that is that investment, right? That involvement, that motivation. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of trust in your team. How, you know, beyond just raw kind of creative design skills, what else do you look for or, or what what are kind of key indicators to you in terms of when you're hiring, you know, someone's going to be, you know, not just a kind of a quality design fit, but a real cultural fit and is going to be, you know, someone that you can give that kind of trust and that kind of power to? I mean, the show... <laughs> the, sh- the short hands, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, That's one of the things. Yeah, but it's like, I was asked once, you know, how is the hiring process in Indonesia? 
Yeah. And we were not in details uh, for for a big part of the time. We, we didn't yeah. in details know exactly what does the hiring process look like because that was one of the things where we would talk to our team and we would say, yeah. oh, guys, we, we need to hire more people. Uh-huh. And they would say, okay, they would do it. And, and you know, then we have our head of our people success uh, in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. It, bear in mind that the core team in Indonesia, the core group we have down there, they've all been with us from the start. So we're talking yeah. people we've been working with for 10 years, right? Yeah. So there's so much context and so much knowledge and so much understanding on that core group of people that, that you know, we trust them yeah, a lot, right? So I would mm-hmm. say it's... Um, we look for when we hire designers, it depends, is it a supporter or is it a designer, right? So if the way in our terminology, we have people who have much more customer interaction. So for them, we of course test on English level because they need to be able to speak and write fluently okay. and all of that stuff. Yeah. So that's a key aspect. There's some personality tests, of course. You need to be more extroverted than introverted and there's a full system on how do we do that. Then if we're looking at designers, it's primarily creativity that we're looking for. Um, and I actually don't know if they changed the process, but not that long ago, what we did is we did hiring events. So they would bring in people and they would basically be doing tasks, team building exercises, all kinds of different things in a big group together with people in our office. And they would do it, as I recall it, for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then everyone who interacted with the, the all of these candidates would then rate them. And then based on that combined rating whoever floated to the top would be the one that would be hired. Uh, and then they would be hired to come into our training program. And back in the days, that training program was insane. I think in the beginning when I started, it was from we hired until they touched the first customer project. It was three months. Of just wow. Shadowing, training, like never touching customer. Pro- and we brought that down, but we still have, you know, a good, good period of time where they are full classroom sessions like a really big curriculum where we, we just drill them on on how to be a really good presentation designer. And then once they kind of graduate from that, they graduate to become a junior designer, which means that they come into a design team where they have a design manager and some senior people. And then they start working on customer projects, first with a lot of oversight, and then they kind of switch over as they progress through and become better, right? Yeah. So those that's kind of how, but the... the the influence of how that works, it, it has been highly influenced and highly built by our own team and our own group of people in, in Indonesia and in Peru, which I think is yeah. Just, yeah, back to our strength, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure we talk a little bit about some of your bigger ideas because I know that this experience has <laughs> sort of, you know, taught you a little bit about entrepreneurialism and kind of the future and what's possible, particularly with, you know, working with kind of enabling folks in other countries that don't necessarily have all the opportunities that that other people have uh, where i guess where do you see this going what are some of the the ideas or visions that you have for you know where you hope to take this and and the impact you hope to have on the world yeah so what we hope what we hope to do with this i personally is is thinking a lot about what we managed to do so far is create a company that is profitable and can work where we can offer jobs to people that are really enabling enabling them to live a higher quality life than if they worked anywhere else. So now we've we managed to do that. Then the next thing is, you know, how can I how can I get to a point where I can hire as many people as possible, right? Because mm-hmm. the impact per person you hire. So I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about how do we do that, right? And I remember I read a book called Factfulness once where he talked a lot about demographic development worldwide, right? And I think back then 
the amount of people on planet Earth were supposed to bow out at around 9 billion people in 2050, I think it was. I think the statistics are a little bit different now, but around 9 billion people in, in 2050 and around 8 billion people would then be in Asia, in Africa and South America. So let's say that we are incredibly successful with 24 slides and we hire 5,000 people or even 10,000 people. Like that's just, yeah. that's a drop in the bucket, right? That's that's nothing. So how how can we how can we make sure that the culture and what we do and the model we have is like spread more? And the only way that I feel we can be able to do that is if we design some sort of train-the-trainer program or find a way to kind of expand to other companies. So what, what we're doing is thinking about how can we take what we're doing internally, which is like we call it 24 Academy, but it's an internal university where we Today, that's, you know, the training program I talked about before for our designers is in 24 Academy. And then we've become really good at making sure everything you need to learn to be really effective as an employee at 24 Slides is in the Academy. But now we're also building more general skills. So emotional maturity, personal finance, you know, a lot of the other things that you need to be successful in life, but that Uh also adds value to you as an employee in 24 Slides. So we're kind of both building out what is possible to learn about in the academy. Then actually this month or next month, we are launching the first course in the academy where we open it up to people outside of 24 slides. Oh, interesting. So the idea here is to take those resources we spend on that. How do we take that value, that knowledge, and then we expand it so we can generate just value for other people outside of 24 slides. Yeah. And where, where I would personally like this to go is then to say, you know, how can we keep building the curriculum at the academy to a point where we can teach everyone in the company what they need to know to start being able to found their own companies. Mm-hmm. So imagine you have like one of our super good designers and, and they could learn how to be even better in the academy. They could learn all of the extracurriculum skills, leadership, all of that stuff. And then they could also learn about how do you raise funds, how do you do marketing, how do you do ideation, and come to a point where they're like, you know, I can actually open up my own company. Yeah. And then where we would like to take it is to then say, okay, would it be possible then for us to help them be successful in that? Either investing them, you know, help them with talents in from Copenhagen and around the globe, but basically help our own team then quit 24 slides find some problems that they could solve building a business in Indonesia and in Peru, then kind of build out basically ecosystems, right? Yeah. And that that's yeah. kind of, that's where I see, a, I see so much opportunity there because there's lots of problems to solve and fundamentally building businesses that solves them is just a really good way. And then if we can make sure they kind of take our culture and the way that we kind of work with people as a part of that, maybe you could then be able to create environments where you would get a lot of sustainable companies being built that could hire many, many, many more people, right? Mm-hmm. So that that for me is like when you look at the like the entire, the huge arc of what we could do, then you can talk about systemic change, right? If we manage to yep. get to that level where we can inspire people to do that. Yeah. So I think, oh, so many ways to go and we're out of time. <laughs> we'll have to do another episode on some of this in a couple, in a couple of months when you're sort of a little farther down the path here. Robert, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about 24 Slides, what's the best way to get that information? 
Uh, go to 24slides.com is number one, so you can see everything hate. in there. And then if you have any questions, follow up, whatever, my email is robert at 24slides.com. Or otherwise, just uh, the only social profile I'm on is LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'm quite active in there. So if you go look for Robert Glazel, I will pop up at, at LinkedIn. And otherwise, if you go to 24slides, Robert, I think I'm the only one this far. Got it. That is Robert at 24slides, right? So... You can always so far. Uh, look me so up on far. LinkedIn and don't be a stranger. Just write me if you have any questions. Awesome. I'll make sure that the info on the handles and everything in the show notes so people can get that. Robert, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.